As a sales manager, you are judged by the performance of your team and you're praised when they do well. But one thing that you've not been able to figure out is how to get everyone on your team consistently hitting quota every single month. On the Snack Size Sales Podcast, we discuss the science of selling STEM. Sales leadership in the science, technology, engineering, and manufacturing fields is difficult. You will learn from sales managers just like you that will give you actionable insights and tips on how to develop as a leader and achieve your revenue targets every single month. So pop your headphones in and get ready to listen to my guests today. They will give you information and inspiration to ensure that you have actionable insights that you can put into place today. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Snack Size Sales Podcast. Today, I am so excited that I have the pleasure of interviewing Ava O'Keefe. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Let me tell you guys a little bit more about Ava. She graduated from the University of Florida with dual degrees in industrial and systems engineering. Later, she attended the Grisadio School of Business at Pepperdine University, where she earned her MBA. She is currently the VP of Sales at Azalis. So tell us, how did you go from two degrees to becoming the VP of Sales? Yeah, so obviously it didn't happen overnight. You know, I started my career, actually, my degrees in industrial and systems engineering. And my first job was actually working for Exxon. And I was actually doing hardcore computer programming. I spent my first year at the basement of the Exxon building programming C++ and doing all these things. I was 22 years old and I was like, okay. This is not for me. I am a people person. I would go to the supermarket and I would start chatting with a cash register lady and things. So a friend of mine asked me, hey, there is a a job in chemical sales. I was living at that time in the Houston area. So um, I'm like, I don't know much about chemical sales. I did take some chemistry classes during um, college, but I think I want to get into sales. So I started in sales and I did that for a couple of years in the pulp and paper industry. Then I moved to chemical sales in selling for more like paint companies. Then actually I was born and raised in Venezuela. So I speak Spanish. Uh, The opportunity came to work for Angus, which then became Dow as a Latin American sales manager. So I did that for a couple of years. I actually traveled all over Latin America. I actually um, learned Portuguese, even though I don't speak that much Portuguese anymore. So went to, you know, the smallest countries, El Salvador, Costa Rica, to the big places like Brazil and Colombia. Then I had some family changes. I got married. I had children. And I actually, I went to work for another um, chemical manufacturer for a couple of years. And my territory was very large. I had 12 Western states, Western Canada, sometimes Mexico. So after starting a family, you know, I decided, okay, let me go something smaller. So I went into chemical distribution. And at the same time, actually, I decided to get my MBA. So I was trying to do it all, you know, having a family, getting my MBA, traveling. 
And uh, so I got into chemical distribution. Chemical distribution is different because you have a smaller geographical area, a lot more accounts. And um, I started basically as an account manager and quickly I was promoted as sales manager and I managed a team and I did that for a couple of years. Then I went to work for a competitor and I was actually vice president of strategic accounts, which I was giving a one very, very, very large account. Then uh, my company was sold and then I went to work for actually the same company that I worked 10 years ago, in, um, in uh, actually 15 years ago in 2005. And um, my original role here was actually vice president for Latin America, which I did for a few months. And then they said, you know what? I think your skill set is better suited to manage a territory. So I'm now vice president of sales for the Western region, which covers uh, what uh, 12 Western uh, states. So that's, mm. that's kind of my career in a nutshell. So you had a, such a dynamic career because you went from being just a, a traditional engineer to something completely different of chemical sales. And then you kept on that path of doing something different by getting into distribution, which I always say distribution sales is a world unto its own because you're managing someone else that's not under your tutelage and they're managing the customers. So what are the things that you think that really set you up for success? going from being a engineer working in a basement to and the skills that you've been able to translate into your leadership position? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it is I understood early on that this was not my right path, you know. So I think understanding yourself, you know, and taking that risk, you know, just saying, you know what, I'm comfortable here, but this is not what I want. So I, I think that's one of the things. Hard work. I mean, there. Um, you know, I'm. I have kids right now. I have a 16 year old and an and an almost 19 year old, and they think that they are just going to walk in and be vice president of sales. And we're like, no, it just kind of doesn't work like that. Um, you know, I, it it just sheer spending the time, getting my MBA. I think my I again my training as an engineer. I knew you know processes and things like that, but. In reality, unless you're working for Tesla or SpaceX or something like that, you're dealing in business with customers, profits, P&Ls and things like so I think my MBA, you know, was critical in basically teaching me how to think, you know, mm -hmm. and teaching me about strategy and teaching me it's like okay, do I want to be the Neiman Marcus selling a couple of things at a very high margin, or do I want to be Walmart, or do I want to be somewhere in between? All those things I learn at my MBA. So I, I personally, I know they're kind of you know not as viewed as favorable anymore. But for a technical person, and I tell the young people under me, if you have the time, your company's paying for it, do it. It was a very big sacrifice. Like I said, I had oh you know I already one child, expecting the other, but um, I felt that it was very much worth it. And, um, you know, I think continuing your skills, I just finished a leadership course at Cornell, you know, talking about women in leadership. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts, you know, how I built this. Um, my son is uh, starting at Northwestern. I found uh, some very interesting uh, podcasts there. So just 
don't think that you're you're ever done learning. If you consider yourself a lifelong learner, in every interaction, you know, in my company, even though I'm in sales, I have to deal with supply chain. I have to deal with customer service. And every interaction, if I learn about their business and how they do their job, it helps me do my job better. Um, interpersonal connections, I think that's very important. I think in my industry, you know, I think people will hopefully view me as someone that is very generous, very you know, generous with her time. I invite people into my home. I, um, you know, back when we were entertaining a lot more, I did a lot of entertaining, a lot of socializing, building not just the business. You know, I have a mentor. His name is Syriac Alexander. He's very well known in our industry. And he always said, you know, companies do business with people, not companies with mm. companies. So developing mm. those personal relationships early on. And I still have relationships that I've kept for almost 30 years in this industry. Mm. I think that's very important. That's awesome. You talked a lot about um, personal and professional development. And I think a lot of times as leaders, that's not something that we value as much because we're going, going, going as a sales leader. We're like, okay, I got to hit this number. I got to get the team doing this. I got this, I got that. But really taking time to slow down and do that development, it seems like it's really played measures for you in your career. So I'm curious when we think about your team and the, the people that you work with, how is that development, that growth that you have so inherent within you, how does that help you lead your team better? Yeah, I mean, again, I think I'm, I'm a firm believer. For example, I belong to the Los Angeles Society of Coding's Technology. I'm on the board. I've given them a six-year commitment. Anyone that goes under me, you know, it's like, okay, you are you are joining the LASCT and you are becoming a, a board member, you know. And at the LASCT, for example, every single month we have technical talks that we learn. So. Again, to me, that is very important and it's very important for the people that work for me to have that mindset, to have that mindset about learning. If someone is, for example, I do get some people that work for me that various technical levels, I will get someone with an engineering degree and I will get someone with a marketing degree. You know, the guy with a marketing degree, he knows how to sell well, but maybe not is not as versed in the technical aspect, you know, so again, send them to a lab where he spends a week immersed in, you know, in technical training and understanding. I think that people should always recognize what are their weaknesses and, you know, go and try to improve that. Is the person with a marketing degree going to be as technically proficient as the guy that spent, you know, 10 years in a manufacturing plant creating polymers? No. But it doesn't matter, you know, and also understanding that there are resources available. None of us work in a vacuum that if you're weak in one area, you know, pair yourself up with someone that is not weak in that area, you know, and having that collaboration, I think, makes the team a lot stronger. I love that. I always when I'm working with people. One thing that we do is we come up with an onboarding plan. And when we're working in these technical fields, it's there are always two tracks. There's a technical track and then there's the sales or the business track. Because depending on your background, sometimes, like you said, you need to go in the lab and you need to say, hey, let me present this to someone. Let me 
go out and get in my hands dirty. I always like to say getting my hands dirty, like go out on the plant floor, go in the lab and really learn the process because you're strong in sales. So we don't need to develop those skills as much. Whereas if you are a technical person by nature, then we do need to hone those sales skills. You need to be cold calling and talking to customers and doing all of those things. And so really what you said, I love the way that you're individualizing the the development for your salespeople. What are some of the challenges that you've had throughout your your leadership career? Uh, Well, early on, you know, I would say, um, how do I put it this politely? Um, You know, I was traveling to Latin America as a young female, 29 years old, as a manager, you know, and uh, they were basically, you know, I was not being accepted. You know, and many times, you know, some of the distributors there would say, hey, I do not want to spend time with you or, you know, or bring your boss or something like that. So I think that that was pretty challenging, you know, and I felt that I had to prove myself quite a bit, you know. The other challenges is, is um, I think, you know, mentoring people to the point that they want to stay, but the grass is always greener on the other side, you know, and spending time with someone, spending, you know, love and attention and care, and then, you know, they get a better offer and you, you know, you say, okay, this is business. I don't want to take it personal, but you do take it personal and you feel it's like, what happened? What did I do wrong? What, you know, why couldn't this person stay with me? So I think some of those, you know, in the environment, I mean, the last couple of the last year for everyone, we had to learn completely how to work in a different way. You know, I was used to every week getting on a plane and travel and, you know, and now we're home, you know, and we're like, okay, but I think we've learned quite a bit and we've learned that also there is a lot more collaboration and efficiency, you know, that you can immediately get the person in New Jersey, you know, the person in Argentina and the person in California and all, you know, be together at once. Things that a year ago before the pandemic, you just didn't do that. It was not normal. So, uh, you know, in Challenges also, I think that as my personal and professional development is like, okay, I've been doing this for almost 30 years. It's like, what do I do when I grow up? You know, where do I want to go? You know, I think you have to ask yourself those type of questions over and over again. Mm, Those are some good real life challenges, right? Being a woman in this very technical chemical sales type realm especially when you're traveling to other countries. Um, I think in different countries, there are different perceptions. And as you said, that we have to think about the cultural thing. So when you're traveling to Latin America, it's culturally like, no, 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 no. This is not what we do. And then having that turnover, especially in these days where, I mean, if you're a good salesperson, you're like a hot commodity. Everybody's trying to steal you. And it's when you get to a salesperson and they leave for 5000 or 10000 or 3 or 4% more commission, like you said, it's, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? Why, why are you leaving? And then really thinking about this virtual world, okay, yeah, it's very different, but these are the ways that we can actually build our business faster. 
We can meet with people quicker. We can be on back-to-back-to-back Zoom calls. Like I can start my day in London and I can end my day in California, right? And I think those things, you know, what you really said is, it's like, yeah, these are challenges, but they're all things that I overcame and they've made me stronger. Absolutely. Actually, I have a little funny example. I was talking to this gentleman that I've talked to him a couple of times and all of a sudden he mentioned something about being in Argentina. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're in Argentina? I had no idea. I thought that he was in Charlotte, North Carolina or something like that. So I love it. I love it. I mean, in the world that we're living in today, it's a global world, but it seems like we're so much tighter knit. Like in this past week, I've talked to somebody in London. I've talked to somebody in Lebanon. I've talked to somebody in Norway. And I've also talked to somebody right here in Texas, all on Zoom, right? And so I think that being able to embrace what I like to call sales technology and helping our salespeople really upskill, right? So it's, yes, we can do it as leaders, but are we showing our salespeople how they can actually use this to build their business? Correct. So to give me a success story, whether it's in your current position or in a previous position that you had on something that you're really excited about, a person, a sale, uh, anything that you're really excited about. Well, I would, I would, I can actually start, I will go back to when I first started in sales in my career, you know, I was mid twenties. Okay. And the product that I was selling over, I was actually selling one specific product. And when I came over here, we had very, very, very little market share. I would say, I don't know, 5% market share. So Basically, the way this product worked, it um, do you know what pH is? The pH, it works at a higher pH. The product that was in the market worked at a lower pH. So I would actually go into Home Depot and buy paint, and I would send it to my lab, and I would have it analyzed. And I would go to, to all these major corporations making paint, and I would say, do you think your product is protected? And they would say, of course it is. You know, I've been using, you know, this product and I, you know, so I would actually go and show them the data. It's like, hey, you know, your product is really not protected. You, you know, and when the homeowner opens this can of paint and I, you know, a year later puts it in the garage and wants to paint again, it's not going to be protected. So I went and I methodically went to all these companies pitching the message over and over and over again. And by the time in two, three years, I went from like 5% market share to probably, I don't know, 70, 75. And 20 years later, okay, a lot of these companies are still using the product that I recommended you know, and are still basically my recommendations kind of, you know, shape that industry. And, you know, I was, I think I was young and naive. And a lot of the times I remember one gentleman said, what makes you think that you're going to gain my business? I've been doing business with this large company for all these years. We play golf with, you know, but I think that my young age and my naivete basically said, I don't care, you know. <laughs> Another time, I again talking about developing the personal relationships. I believe in the personal relationship. This same gentleman, which basically brushed me off, and you know, I got his business at the end. He asked me. He said that he was sponsoring a race instead of the Juvenile Diabetes Foundation. We did it for paint for the paint, you know, foundation, but it was for diabetics. And I, and he's like, okay. 
I hear that you run. I said, yeah, I do. He's like, okay, I want, I, can you run this race for me? And I said, ah, you know, his name is was uh, Marty. I said, Marty, I don't know if I can run this race. And he's like, why? I said, well, because if I run the race, I want to win it, you know? And he's like, all right, okay, come on, come on, you know? So I go run the race and I win it. I won the race, you know? <laughs> so he was like, okay, this lady is serious. And after that, you know, he was so happy that I won the race. You know, I developed my personal relationship with him. I raised a bunch of money for his charity. And eventually I got his business. My product was superior. And like I said, to this day, they're using this product. But, you know, it, it took persistence. It took, you know, basically sometimes you, you think, well, someone has done it already and they failed. Well, that was them. That's not me. You know, mm -hmm. just because they fail doesn't mean that I'm going to fail. I'm going to look at a different angle. I'm going to find an, another way. So, yeah. So I think early on in my, on my career, you know, I had a lot of success by just chipping away little by little. Tenacity. I love, love, love that story where it's you really were thinking outside the box, right? You're like, I'm just going to Home Depot and I'm going to buy all their stuff up and hey, Send it off and send me the results. I can remember as my first year in sales, I was like, I don't know what to do. They didn't give me a framework. So I would load up my car and I would literally like fly to Colorado and I would be driving all over the Midwest. And then I would hop up to North Dakota and I was just doing lunch and learns, right? And so I would literally have like a whole week of lunch and learns scheduled at universities, at client sites. And that's how the momentum got going, right? And it's that, like you said, it's the tenacity. It's not that they're gonna buy tomorrow. But it's the fact that, hey, I'm staying with it. And then I love your um, story about the charity, because what you did was, and I tell salespeople all the time, you served before you sold, right? You served him. This is important to you, so I can make it important to me. And again, he didn't, and it wasn't just because you had such a great relationship, you solved a problem that he had with your um item with your product and then and the relationship was there and so i think a lot of times the salespeople they think that they can only live on the relationship but no what is the problem that the customer's having right like those two have to be aligned in order for you to build that relationship i love it i love it i love it well thank so you. tell us how can people get in contact with you if they want to have a quick chat with you or learn more about what you do Sure. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. I would say that that would be the preferred method under Ava O'Keefe, you know, so I'm in social media too. I think Twitter, I'm like Evita1209 or something like that. But I think uh, LinkedIn would be the, the preferred method. Awesome. Awesome. Ava, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your pearls and your wisdom and really helping us understand how you have gone from working in the basement in ExxonMobil here in Houston, where I am, yes. to being this wonderful VP of sales. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for interviewing me. Thanks for the time. And that was another episode of the Snack Size Sales Podcast. Remember, in everything that you do, transform your sales. Until next time. Thank you for joining us today on the Snack-Sized Sales Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave us a review.
Learn how to continue increasing your bottom line by getting simplified sales strategies delivered to your inbox weekly by going to www.snacksizedsales.com. Trust me, your bank account will grow and love you.